All right. Well, excited to be with you this morning. My name's Kendall, one of the leaders here, and you're going to get to hear from Robert in the next few weeks, our lead pastor, which will be amazing as well. And I'm going to talk a little bit about seasons this morning. We just finished a holiday season. It's a new season. It's a new year. Happy New Year, by the way. And I will never forget my first kind of holiday season, New Year's season in California. In 2008, we moved here as a part of the team that planted All People's Church. And it was a wonderful experience. And we had to experience a lot of new different things. One of the things that was different was experiencing different seasons in this part of the country. So there's a few things that were different for me and my wife as we move it out here. The first thing that was different was the weather, right? We have different weather here in Southern California. I don't know if you know this, if you're a native, than in the rest of the country. It's actually why everyone's trying to move here and my house prices are so high, right? Because of the weather. So, you know, it was interesting. We had great weather all year. And then we moved into the fall, and I'm from the south, so I'm thinking flannel, football, big hats, boots, you know, we're getting ready for the fall, campfire, you know, and all of a sudden, it just starts getting hotter. <laughs> like these Santa Anas, I had no idea what those were, I hadn't learned anything about that, and so then it hadn't rained since March 11th when we moved here. Thanksgiving Day, we wake up, and it is raining cats and very large dogs, like St. Bernard's, and and so it is raining, and I had my first experience with Southern Californians driving in the rain. Let's just rebuke that. And so we had the weather that we got to experience. And then traditions, food, and family, and these kind of things. So, you know, we moved out here, and I, I, like I said, I was from the South. So the holiday season, we would have brisket and duck. Those were the two the two foods we would have in my family. And that was not on the menu in our City Heights apartment. So I had to figure out, okay, what we were gonna eat that year for the holiday season. And then finally relationships. Of course, we had a team that we were close to, we moved out with, but ultimately all of our family was in another part of the country. So we had to figure out how are we gonna spend this holiday? And who are we gonna spend it with? I was so blessed that first holiday season to get to spend it with Steve and Jeannie Herman. They were living in Los Angeles and they invited us up. So we drove up there and my wife Shelly and I and Joel Sanders and got to experience Thanksgiving in Los Angeles. And it stopped raining. Jeannie cooked an amazing meal as only she could. And then we were able to play, go play part of three golf on a little course there. And it was a great time. It was a great memory. We were experiencing a holiday, trying to figure out a different season and a different way of celebrating it. Seasons are very, very important. And, you know, living here in Southern California, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes we kind of feel like we're immune to seasons, right? Is there anyone here wearing shorts and flip-flops this morning? Look, look at you guys. I, there's always somebody at our church. It doesn't matter what the temperature is, they are wearing shorts and flip-flops, okay? Someone's pointing at their wife in the back, okay? So, all right, now, is there anyone wearing ski clothes this morning? Like, you could ski in what you're wearing right now. You could snow ski. Yeah, a few people are raising their hand. You see the variance, right? We, we never really know what season we're in. And, you know, the weather here is typically very consistent, so people just kind of wear what they want. And you're a great example of that today. You all look amazing. Okay, so also, many, many of us in San Diego, we don't live near close family. We have a lot of military here, and people get deployed, and they're away from their families, or they're stationed in San Diego, away from their immediate families. So they're trying to figure out how to make it through different seasons. There's young creatives trying to make their mark, moving here to do that, away from their families. A lot of immigrants, refugees, students. We're a city of people that, that actually has to figure out seasons in a different way. And this brings me to last night to my Chipotle order. When I went to Chipotle 
to get my wife a veggie bowl, and they were out of guacamole. And I mean, I was offended. And then I, I looked at the sign and said, I'm sorry, due to a seasonal outage, we're out of guacamole. I thought, how often does that happen these days? You know, we want things when we want it now, and we're not really used to seasons. But there is a way the world works. There is a way that God works, and he works in seasons. So today I want to speak to you from the subject, the God of seasons. My goal for you today is for you to walk away knowing the season that God has you in now so you can be productive in your life and you can respond fully to what God has for you. Will you pray with me as we kind of dive in this morning? Lord, we do pray. I pray for every person here. Holy Spirit, that you would come and hover over this place and speak to them. God, highlight to them the season that they're in, the season that they're coming into, the lessons they need to learn in this season. We trust you with our seasons, God. You're a God of seasons, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's our main idea this morning, and I actually want you to say this with me so it kind of sticks in our hearts. I have a slide for it. So just repeat after me. God is a God of seasons, and he has a season appointed for me. God is a God of seasons, and he has a season appointed for me. He has a season appointed for you. He has a season appointed for all of us. Seasons are a theme all throughout the Bible. First chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, we see the natural law of seasons. Genesis 1:14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. It's interesting because scientifically we now know seasons are governed by our proximity to the sun, but this is written, you know, kind of before those discoveries. That's always cool how science and the Bible, you know, flow together. And let them be for signs and seasons. And for days and years, let them be lights in the expanse of the heaven to give light upon the earth. God created seasons. Seasons are a natural law. Seasons are not only a natural law. Seasons are a spiritual law. Just like we reap what we sow, there is a law of seasons that governs the earth. Yes, naturally, but also spiritually. We get a little hint of this in Genesis chapter 8 during the Noah story. We see a little bit about seasons. Genesis 8, 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So, of course, there's some natural seasons here, but it's also talking about something else, seed time and harvest. So this is the work that God has called us to, yes, practically, but also spiritually. There are seasons of seed time, of things moving and being planted, and seasons of harvest and seasons of growth. Seasons are a natural law. They're a spiritual law. And God designs different seasons in your life and my life to accomplish a specific purpose. God designs specific seasons for a specific purpose. For every purpose, the Bible says, there is a season. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, of course, a familiar passage on seasons. You may have had it read at your wedding. It's a popular passage. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So open up your Bible app or your Bible really quick. I want to read through some of these seasons. I just want you to see it because there's such a diversity here and the different things that God does in the different seasons of our life. I'll let you do that real quick. Here's some seasons. There's a time to born and a, be born and a time to die. A time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. 
a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So many different seasons, right? Seasons in nations like war and peace, seasons in relationships, times of embracing, times of love, times of grief, times of celebration, seasons of life, seasons of death. We go through financial seasons. We go through vocational seasons. Friendships go through seasons. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking of the different seasons of friendship and of making friends that we go through in life. So, you know, in high school, you kind of make friends through your little clique. You know, everybody kind of dresses the same, have common interest, right? Maybe you were one of the Trekkies at your high school, okay? Or, you know, whatever your little group was, okay, that's obviously an interesting group, but whatever group, whatever your group was, if you're a Trekkie, bless you, I actually love science fiction, but... Um, so, you know, everyone has their little group, their little clique. And as you move into kind of the 18 to 25-year-old range, a lot of people go to university. But regardless of what you're doing, you have so much time. And if you're from 18 to 25 this morning, I know you don't think you have time right now, but you have so much time. And, and this is a time where friendship just happens so naturally in our lives, doesn't it? You're just hanging out with different people, making connections. You move into your upper 20s. You know, things are kind of, you're building a career. You're doing different things. You're making friends who join experiences. Then you get your 30s, and friendship must be much more intentional. So one guy said, you know, the real, the real miracle of Jesus' ministry is that he had 12 friends in his 30s. <laughs> but, you know, regardless of what you think about that, friendship goes through seasons. And, of course, there's seasons beyond that. But God is a God of seasons, and he has seasons appointed for us. And he's going to develop us through different seasons. So this morning, I want to speak to you about four different spiritual seasons that God will bring you through. So I'm going to go through the seasons right now, then we're going to talk about it in detail. First is the season of promise. The next season is the season of process. Jeff Mitchell, did it take you a little bit of a process to get ready to go to Moldova? Is he even in here? He's out of here. Love you, Gerard. Okay, great. Um, so, uh, progress, the season of progress, and then finally the season of planting. Those are the four seasons we're going to discuss this morning. Season of promise. This is a great season. This is a season of encounter. God is speaking. You're getting these promises, these dreams, maybe actual dreams, just great work being done in your heart. You're excited. You're, God feels close and near. His voice is abundant. This is your origin story. This is where God puts dreams in your heart. I love studying origin stories. I love studying just the stories of successful people and spiritual leaders and kind of how they grew into what they've built today. I saw this picture online the other day. This was a, a picture of Jeff Bezos of Amazon.com. This is his first desk, okay? So there he is. That's a nice desk, somebody said. Uh, the desk is actually made out of a door he got at Home Depot for $45. And then he's got his wires everywhere, like some Dasani water. He probably doesn't drink that anymore. And then... Over here, you know, spray-painted on the wall, Amazon.com. This is the season of promise. We're just excited. You know, we have a word. We put it on the wall. You know, we're, we're excited about building and doing something. I remember our church staff had a, 
an office that's actually worse than this. We, uh, we had our staff meetings inside of a garage. And it was on El Cajon Boulevard, so cars and emergency sirens were always going off. We had to leave the garage halfway open so we had fresh air. Anyway, that was our office for a while. So praise God. We had some promises. And we were excited about that. But regardless of what you think about this, every new work in your life starts with a promise from God. That's how God works spiritually. He plants things in our heart, and they begin to grow. Just a few people from the scriptures. Abraham, he encounters God, receives a promise. He's going to have descendants. Moses encounters God, receives a promise. He's going to be walking people out of slavery, into freedom, into the promised land. Jesus, there he is, ministry of John the Baptist. He's baptized. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. A encounter, a promise. Paul encounters God, receives many promises of what he's going to do to help the church. We'll read this. Seasons of promise are times when God is planting dreams in our heart, but there is a unique test to this season of promise. Our hearts must be good soil. And every season, there's an opportunity, but there's also a test. And the test of the season of promise is that your heart would be good soil, be a good place for God to plant his promise. Jesus had something to say about this. Luke chapter 8 talks about how a great crowd was gathering to hear him teach. This is what he taught. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. These seeds, they represent promises, words from God. And the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, not good soil. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Those are the kind of hearts we want to have, the hundredfold hearts. Hearts that God can plant something in that can grow a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Basically, this is really important. The season of promise is like a spiritual summer. You're enjoying God. The sun is shining. People are out. Everyone is friendly. You're encouraged about your promise. But your challenge during this season is to keep your heart good soil so God can keep planting things in you. Also, in seasons of planting, while God is planting good things, what we always have to remember is the enemy is trying to plant bad things. My kids have this great book, and if you have children, I'd really recommend it. It's called Good, oh, sorry, it's called Seeds and Trees. Seeds and Trees. I want to show you a picture from this book because what this book talks about is there's good seeds that get planted in our heart from God, and there's bad seeds that get planted in our heart from the enemy, and both of those things you grow up in our life. Here's the good seed over here. It's a floral and beautiful, right? And then we have the bad seed over here, right, with the thorny trees, okay? So, so the good seed and the bad seed, this is what the author said. Seeds and trees discovers a young prince who gathers seed, both green and dark, from those he encounters, and then gifts them forward. He faithfully plants and waters all those seeds daily, but comes to realize that the dark trees harm the green ones. With the help of a kind friend, he discovers he can cut down, uproot, and replace those dark trees with green seeds, creating a beautiful, vibrant garden. Here's the principle. Everything that is planted in your heart will grow. So you want to make sure your heart is good soil. That's why the Bible says to guard your heart. So here's what's going to happen in the next few weeks. You're going to be living your life in San Diego, be living on your block. All is good. It's been raining a little bit. Maybe some tulips are springing up. Maybe some succulents are looking nice. All of a sudden, you're going to look over at your neighbor's yard and be like, they got weeds. There's going to be a lot of weeds. 
because it's been raining. And what you're going to wonder is, where did those weeds come from? Here's the thing. They were always there. They were always under the surface. And when it rains, everything that's planted starts to grow. And so we want our hearts to be good. So actually, at the end of the last service, I had a friend show me a picture of where he had weeded his garden last year and where there were all weeds after the rain last year. And after this last rain, there were no weeds because he had pulled out all the roots. He's trying to keep his yard good soil. That's how we want to keep our hearts. That's the test of the season. A few more thoughts. It's important to note that when a seed is planted, it's planted in secret. Do not advertise your seed to the world. This is not the time to start an Instagram account or some other thing about the seed that God is planting in your heart. This is a secret time. Go deep with God. Water it. Treasure it. It's a promise, but you can't tell everyone else. Allow God to do a work in your heart, and don't let the enemy plant unbelief where God wants to plant a promise. Don't let the enemy plant unbelief where God wants to plant a promise. Okay, so that's the season of promises. Here's the next season. The season of process. This is a season that nobody likes, but everybody goes through. The season of process. The season of process is when God begins to grow and develop you so you can walk out the promises he has given you. Every promise from God, every, double underline, every promise from God has a process attached to it. Every process, every promise from God has a process attached to it. These are seasons of spiritual fall and winter. They are hard seasons. On the outside, everything is dying. The leaves are falling. The tree is barren. It is cold. But under the surface, God is building a great root system to sustain all that he wants to bring into your life. The season of process. The season of process biblically could be compared to the season of the wilderness. Every leader you respect, every spiritual leader in the Bible who finished well, every leader you respect, you want to emulate their life, has been through many wilderness seasons, many times of testing, and many times of process. Because God is a God of seasons, he is present in every season. So here's what I want you to know. He does not abandon us in the process. He's right there with us, even when it's hard, even when it's hurt. This is what uh, John Bevere said about the wilderness. By the way, there's this great new book, uh, God, Where Are You? So if you're in the process, you're like, God, where are you? What are you doing? You spoke some things to me, and I am lost. This is your book for the year. Go ahead and pick this book up right now. But this is what he said. The wilderness is a dry place. It may be dry spiritually, financially, socially, or physically. It is here that God gives daily bread, not an abundance of things. He meets our needs in this time, not necessarily our wants. The purpose of the wilderness is to purify us. Our pursuit is to be his heart, not his provision. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about? Right? You've, been through, you've been through a process. You've been through a wilderness season. Elijah, the prophet, went through many different seasons and some very intense wilderness process times. And we pick up his story in 1 Kings. It's a familiar story to many of us, but I want to point out something maybe you haven't heard before. See, Elijah just had this major spiritual victory, and he moves into a time of despair, depression, loneliness, a time of testing. This is what it says. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. Whenever you're living in a cave, you know, okay, I'm probably in a little bit of a wilderness, okay? And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Good question. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, 
only am left. They seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand before the mountain of the Lord and behold. Okay, so it's clear here that there's some work in Elijah's heart that needs to happen. Because when God starts to put him through a process, what he answers is in self-defense about his own self-righteousness. Hey, I've been really good. I obeyed you. In fact, I'm the only one. I'm the only prophet in all of Israel. It's only me. Here I am. I've been very jealous for you. I, I, I. So then what happens? And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Okay, so what's interesting is Elijah had actually seen God manifest himself in these different ways before. Like just before this, he actually calls down fire and says, God, you're the God that answers by fire. But God's not speaking to him the same way anymore. God's mixing it up. It's confusing. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? The sound of a low whisper. Maybe in your Bible it says, a still small voice. That's a common translation. But actually, when you look at the kind of the original language, there's something, I think, more profound for us here. There's a more profound lesson because it speaks to how God speaks to us in our process and in our wilderness. It's literally translated this way, the sound of a thin and crushed silence. But God speaks through the sound of a thin and crushed silence. He speaks to us in the thin places. We don't feel like we have anything left. All we have is him. We're thinned out. We're barren. He speaks to us in the crushing. In the crushing. We've been singing that song for a while. He speaks to us in the crushing. In the crushing silence. Oh, his presence is still there. Seasons of process are times when God is developing a root system deep within you and challenging you not to rely on external affirmation. These are very monotonous seasons. Think of Israel in the wilderness. Same view, drinking the same lap every year. Same tribe, (laughs) all walking in order. Same shoes, same food, manna every day, right? These are monotonous seasons. But here's the basic test of the process of the wilderness. Really want you to get this. Here's the basic test. It's really spiritual. Don't give up. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. Don't give up in the wilderness. Don't give up in the process. If you're in this season, I know it seems like God isn't doing anything. I've been through several wildernesses in my life. But he is up to a whole lot under the surface. He will speak to you in the crushing silence. Just get out a pen and paper. Lean in close to him. You can only hear someone in a whisper in the silence, just just very faintly. But these are the precious things that God speaks to our heart. Okay, the next season. A little more fun. Progress. This is a fun season. This is a season of spiritual momentum in your life. This is what it feels like. 
You know when you have a good day and you have your checklist and you're just like crossing stuff off those boxes. You're just like, I am killing it today. Just, you know, I have done the dry cleaning and I have trimmed the palm trees and I have, you know, whatever your thing is, okay? So you're doing stuff. That's what it feels like spiritually during this time. You're like, God is moving. Things are popping. I'm seeing the sprouts come out of the ground. Progress is happening. The promises of God are coming forth in my life. It's that exciting time. This is what Ecclesiastes 3 says again. I'm going to read it in the message version. There's an opportune time to do things. This is the season of the opportune time. When you look at that word season in the Bible, you know, it, Hebrew, it's one thing. But as you move into the New Testament, it's a word kairos or kairos, due season. We just read that verse in Galatians 6, 9. For in due season, we will reap. This is the reaping season. This is the kairos season. That word kairos, I have a definition of that word behind me, means a fixed and definite period of time, an appointed time, a season, an opportunity. This is God's special design season for you to begin to walk in fruitfulness because you didn't give up. Amen. It's a great time. It's a kairos time, an appointed time from God. We see this in Joseph's life. I'm all over the Bible, I know, but this happens to almost every person in the scriptures. Genesis 39, Joseph, there he is. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful person. Kairos, I'm walking into progress. The Lord is with me. Actually, in that chapter, he gets put in prison. And then at the end of that chapter, this is what it says. Whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Even in prison, he was making progress because it was God's season and no one else could control it, right? Listen, you can't shorten your season, but you sure can lengthen it. Stay close to God. Joshua chapter three, we, we see the people of God, they're going into the promised land. And this shows us the test of the season of progress because it's a time of fruitfulness. It's a time where God is moving forth. And this is what God says to Joshua and, and his people as they move into their promised land, a conquest and see progress. This is what it says, be strong and courageous, of course, Joshua 1.7, be careful to obey. The test of this season is to stay close to God because our focus can become on the fruit that God is bringing and not on God himself. And what happens is we start to manage God's blessings and we lose sight of God's direction. It says, do not turn from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Don't turn. Don't, don't look at all the external stuff. Just stay close to the Lord. That's the test of this season. Actually, sometimes it's harder when your prayers get answered because then you have more to manage and deal with. You got to press in spiritually and stay close to the Lord during these times of progress. Jesus went through a progression, even in his ministry. He's baptized. He goes to the wilderness, the process, overcomes temptation from the devil. And then right there in Luke chapter four, he prays for one person, that's demon-possessed, and they're set free. Somebody's season's about to change. Their alarm's going off. All right, and then right after that, he's, he prays for a village, and it says many of them were healed. And the next chapter, it says a crowd came to him, and they were all healed. In the next chapter of, chapter of Luke, it says a great crowd. You see how the Lord was extending his territory? You see how he was progressing, even in this ministry of healing? That was so natural to him. That happened for our benefit. So we could see how someone progresses into the promises of God in their life. 
eventually the season of progress will end with the fulfillment of promises. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's the wilderness. Okay, we've moved on. Okay, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. This is the season where you step back and you say, wow, it's good. God made it. This is a tree of life. This is life-giving to me. I'm seeing fruit. I'm seeing the promises of God being fulfilled in my life. What a wonderful season. This is actually the season we're moving into as a church family. We've been through some testing, and now we're starting to make progress. We're getting prepared for conquest to move into our promised land. So you might say, wow, so the, the promises from God are actually fulfilled in the season of progress. So what's the last season all about? I kind of thought that's when fulfillment was coming. Well, here's what you have to know in the kingdom is the promises and the things God does in your life are never just for you. They're always for the next generation. Genesis chapter 12, you are blessed to be a blessing. And so God always wants us reproducing the things that he's done in our life and passing them on to the next generation. The season of planting the final season of the cycle that God will bring us through. The season of planting. The season of planting is all about the next generation. After we've walked out progress and fulfillment of the promises of God, it is time to turn and impart these promises to the next generation. I love Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to you and your children. God wants to reveal things to us and they're, for the generations to take and run with. Reminds me of a quote from President John Adams who said, hey, I'm studying, I'm studying the science of politics so my children can study law and they can study business. And so their children can study art and drama and theater and architecture. He was thinking about generational blessing. The promises of God are for generational blessing. This weekend, I, last weekend, I was in Mexico and just hanging out down there a little south of Tijuana in an area called the Valle de Guadalupe. And they have amazing little restaurants and buildings. And there's a lot of construction going on down there because they're building vineyards and olive groves and all this stuff. So I was just observing all this in this area and I was thinking about generational blessing. So a few things I was thinking about. First of all, the, the buildings, the edifices they were building are truly all built for the next generation. Like there's some amazing things that were being constructed, but there wasn't a lot of infrastructure to get to them. Like you had to be kind of an expert to find your way around. And I was thinking, wow, these people are building these attractions so that roads and infrastructure can be built and future generations can enjoy them. Here's the next thing I noticed. All the, all the vineyards that were out there, I was thinking about you know, vineyards and wineries, so I, I just did a little research. Someone does not plant, tend, or prune a set of vines on a piece of land for just one year's worth of income or blessing. It's a generational task. A few thoughts. It takes at least three years after planting for a grapevine to produce grapes that are ready for winemaking. During the first year of a vine's life, the growth of the trunk and the roots are the main objective. Selah. After grapes go through the process of winemaking, the substance is often aged in barrels for many months. Here's the point. It's a long game. It's a generational perspective when we are planting something to be reproduced. I was speaking to a restaurant owner down there and just hearing his story and he was a young guy, so I said, how'd you end up with this restaurant? It was a really nice-looking place. And he said, oh, it's kind of embarrassing. I actually didn't pay for it. My, my parents had some money, so I invested it, and I built this restaurant. And I was just like, dude, why is that embarrassing? That's amazing. 
That's amazing that the previous generation was able to equip you so that you could walk out in economic and creativity. That's such a picture of what I want for our church. Like, I'm excited about what God is doing in our church now and the different ministries he's birthing, but what I'm excited about is the next generation. Like, for how we're planting and laying a foundation of blessing that allows for spiritual, economic, societal creativity. Like, that's, that's what we're running after here is reformation, and that takes years. That takes generation. That takes the deep plow. That takes the deep work. That It's a different game. God desires to cultivate generational fruit in our life. Here's the test of this season. Don't miss this. Don't keep the blessings to yourself. When God gives you an opportunity, bring somebody else along. God spoke to me a few years ago. He said this, you don't have my DNA. I thought, bummer. <laughs> I thought it was a new creation in Jesus Christ, Lord. I said, DNA stands for do nothing alone. So we got to bring people with us along the journey so they can experience the blessings and the promises of God, and we are planting in them. Jesus put it this way, John 15. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Lasting fruit, that's what God is after in our life. That's why he brings us in this season. So it's fruit that will remain and bless the next generations. Would you please stand with me? What season are you in today? Are you in a season of promise? Is it just a wonderful time of encounter and God's voice is so abundant and you feel near to him? Are you in a season of process where you're like, okay, I'm tracking with God, but God, where are you? Are you in a season of progress? You're starting to see things spring up. Dreams are fulfilled. Are you in a time of planting where God's challenging you? Hey, what are you doing for the next generation? Regardless of where you're at, I want to speak a blessing over you today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak to each group and what God is doing in their hearts. So first of all, let's just wait just a moment. Ask God to search our hearts. God, what season am I in? What are you doing in me? Just draw near to him for a brief moment. You'd say, yeah, I'm in a season of promise. That's really where I'm at. Why don't you put your hand on your heart right now? I bless you right now, and I bless your heart to be good soil. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are in this season, that you would take your holy till and just remove the rocks, remove the bad seeds, the lies that the enemy wants to sow, remove the unbelief, remove the doubt and discouragement, and put good soil in their hearts. Lord, I pray that you would guard their hearts. God, you protect their hearts in this season. And I pray, God, that this would be an amazing season of encounter. That, Lord, you would increase their spiritual sensitivity and they would be near to you. If you're in a season of, of process, you're like, yeah, that really applies to me. I'm walking some things out and really need God. You can just open your hands right now. It's all over this room. Just open your hands. Lord, we confess. We don't like the process, but we like what you're doing. We like what you're doing under the surface, and we agree with it, and we bless it. 
We bless those roots in our heart, that transformation in our character. We need to become more Christ-like in our integrity. We bless that work. And God, we pray that you would do the full work in our hearts in this season. Don't let us do anything that would lengthen this process. Don't let us take another lap in the wilderness, Lord. Instead, will you please draw near to us, Lord? We press in to hear your voice, even in the sound of the thin and crushing silence. God, we recognize that you are with us and your presence is abundant. Even when we don't feel it, we confess it by faith. You are with us. You have not abandoned us. You are providing and we have enough for today. If you're in that great time of progress, you're starting to see fruit come forth in your life. Things are popping out. Dreams are being fulfilled. You can just open your hands now. Lord, I bless, bless the progress. And if you're in this season, I just want you to say two words with me. Just say, thank you. Just say, thank you, God. Thank you for the progress. Thank you for the fruit. Just say, really, say thank you. Like this is an amazing season. Don't miss the, the joy of this season. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for the fruit. God, thank you for the fulfillment. It's a life-giving season. I thank you for this season. I don't need to apologize for it. Thank you for graduating me from the process. Lord, let me keep close to you. Don't let me be prideful. I bless you to be close to the Lord in this season and to get specific direction from him. Finally, the planting. You're saying, yeah, I'm, this is what God's calling me to. It's time to focus on the next generation. You can just open your hands now. I bless those of you right now that are a season of planting. This is my word for you. God will give you abundant and unusual supply to fulfill the dreams on your heart because he doesn't order something at a restaurant and refuse to pay for it. The finances and the abundant supply of the Lord is coming in to finish the work of planting that he began. Just like David and Solomon had plenty of resources to build the temple, God's abundant supply is coming to your life to build for the next generation. Amen.